Welcome to Shit We Do For Love, the podcast where we delve deep into the gap between our human need for love and connection and our secret belief that we're not really good enough to be loved. This gap has us forever trapped in people-pleasing, procrastination and perfection and all sorts of nonsense as we try to measure up and be the person we've been told is worthy of love, all the while missing the truth about how amazing we already are. I'm your host, the Love Your Bloody Self coach, Wendy Windle. Fancy having boundaries that get back time for you? Then head to wendywindle.com to pick up your free guide, because never having time for ourselves is just some more shit we do for love. Hello there, my love. Do you ever feel like you used to have a wild side? Maybe a fire inside of you and it kind of got stamped out by too many rules and regulations and shoulds and shouldn'ts when you were a kid. Well, that's what we're going to get into today from Millie Marta to Sacred, Fearless and Wild with my gorgeous guest, Michelle Harpers. She's an internationally certified life transformation and spiritual empowerment coach. And you will get that through this conversation. She's super spiritual and leads women on their own journey through that, discovering who they truly are, what they want and exploring ways to get there that that are exciting and expansive and feel right inside their own souls. It's about, well, it's about rewilding and finding your own sacred self. I cannot wait for you to listen to this pod. I completely fell in love with Michelle. As you will hear several times, we just stop and stare at each other and nod and smile because we really saw each other. So I hope that you feel seen, my love. Please enjoy Shit We Do For Love from Millie Marta to Sacred, Fearless and Wild. Michelle Harpers, welcome so much to Shit We Do For Love. The shit we do for love we're going to be getting into today is how we martyr ourselves. And we were having a little chat just before I realized that we hadn't hit record. (laughs) All about how even saying that word, martyrdom, martyr it brings up something deep and weird feeling inside of ourselves. So we're going to let ourselves just feel weird and pick apart this subject today because I promise you, love, Michelle is going to stick around long enough to turn this around for you because she, her expertise is taking women who are martyring themselves and setting them instead on their heroine's journey, which I'm really excited to hear all about. But Michelle, welcome. Let's get icky first. What do you mean martyrdom? Who told you you had to martyr yourself and why? Oh, thanks for that beautiful question, Wendy. And thanks for having me. For me, in my own experience, martyrdom is really putting other people's needs before your own and almost ignoring your needs and your preferences just to keep the peace. Mm-hmm almost and just just to stay the status quo and no one really explicitly said it to me when I was growing up but it's just a constant you know hearing it constantly hearing it from people I look up to and seeing them live that belief as well things like do as you're told don't ask questions be a good girl whatever that means mm. obey first before you complain that's also a big one Obey first before you complain. 
oh my goodness, yep. I'm glad that my dad does not know that saying. <laughs> he would have used that a lot. He was a big fan of children should be seen and not heard. So I think that would have been his runner-up favorite right there. <laughs> yes. And, tell me and another big one. one. Yeah, tell me. Sorry. Another big one is be content and grateful for what you're given. It's not even like what you work for, what you're given. Don't ask for more because some people are not as lucky. Ooh. Like, yeah, okay, done. I can't really <laughs> complain. <laughs> be content with what you're given because other people haven't been given as much. That's there's yeah. so much guilt and shame in that statement, isn't mm-hmm. there? And yet as it humans, is. it's wonderful to be in contentment and to sit in gratitude. And yet what has kept us evolving as a species is our discontent, right? We're mm-hmm. never happy with what we've got. If we were, we'd still be in caves. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. There's the human drive to want more, to need more, to, to want to go beyond the horizons of ourselves, whatever that looks like. So mm-hmm. being content with what you've got because other people don't have as much is is jarring for us. Mm-hmm. And yet we yeah, there's feel a big difference between sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. There is a big difference between being content and being complacent. Mm. Is what I've learned. Yeah. And um yeah, so even as I was saying those words, I could feel that they are a double edged sword. They're not completely good. They're not completely bad, but they have a bit of both if taken out of context or taken to the extreme. That's a really generous thing to say. Yes, there is good in those statements that taken to the extreme, right? Or I think sometimes too, doled out without any explanation to children with very Mm. plastic brains, they become like a law. And we're not taught how to pull that apart or question it or look for the subtleties within it. And tell me a bit about your culture, Michelle. What kind of culture did you grow up in where these platitudes were being spoken to you? I grew up in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And our history is that we've been a colony for, well, we've been, sorry, we've been colonized by different countries. We've been under uh, Spain's colony for 300 years. And then came the Americans, and then also a little bit of other countries. It's like, so we're kind of used to being, you know, um, what's the word? Almost dominated? Yeah. I remember being a kid and like looking up to white people almost. It's like they're they're different from us. They they're superior. Because we're used to thinking that. That's what that's in our heritage, that's in our yeah, programming, I guess. Mm. And not to blame or shame my my culture and my lineage, but that's how I see it. That's how I experienced it as a kid growing up. So growing up with this deep-rooted sense of history of being dominated, of being oppressed. Mm. And, and getting used to it, yeah. not like not complaining about it. Because, mm. of course, as we know, with any kind of oppression when it's widespread and norm, it becomes internalized. Hmm. And you don't even notice it anymore because it's just what it is. Like you said, it becomes the norm. Mm. Wow. And how did you find that sense of 
getting used to being dominated, those sense of like, I mustn't complain. I must put, I must, you know, <laughs> just keep hearing my dad's voice. Sorry, dad, you're lovely, but <laughs> seen and not heard. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Growing up with that kind of internal framework, how did that affect your life mm-hmm. as an adult as you went out into the world? That's a really good question. I would have to start from when I was young, because when I was young, I was actually known as the rebel in the family. I fought against it. Mm-hmm. Anger was absolutely my best friend because it always comes up when I have to protect my boundaries. And it was almost empowering, but also it jarred my relationship with my my parents. Um, so I thought I was doing good. I was fighting it. I'm not, I'm not conforming. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be like them. But then 20, 25 years later on, I found myself in a relationship where I I was actually doing the exact same things or things that I saw growing up. Mm. I was in this relationship that I knew wasn't right for me, but I chose to stay for two years. And then in that relationship, I I was compromising a lot to keep him happy so he would stay. And it was like, I don't even, like looking back now, I don't even know I had to do that. (laughs) Mm. Um... I knew, and we even joked about it, that I was number seven in his priority list. Number to seven? Be number seven, not even five. No, it didn't make him top five. I mean, did the guy have six kids? <laughs> no. The, the thing is, Are we talking PlayStation than you? <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> um, so our values didn't align, but because he was a friend before we dated, I always find like a reasonable excuse to justify everything, to justify his behavior, to justify how I'm feeling. I rationalize the, can I swim? <laughs> I rationalize everything. Yeah. And what it did is it really bypassed how the, the, the struggle that I was going through and my needs again, like, how I was seeing it when I was growing up. I just put everything of me aside to give space for his needs and his preferences because I wanna keep the peace. I wanna I wanna I don't actually don't want him to leave. And looking back, I thought my fear, my main fear was I don't want to lose the friendship because we were really close. And he was there for me in like some of my toughest times. So I didn't want to lose that. I didn't want to lose him. But now looking back, I actually can honestly say that my fear was not finding someone else, mm. which is absolutely not true. <laughs> but mm. in that moment, it felt real. If when, when it feels real, it is real, right? It is and real. That's when, that's when we start mm. doing shit for love. Staying with someone where that's we're right. number, we're literally categorized we're number seven. What? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I mean, no oh. judgment here, Michelle, because I'm pretty sure I've been number twelve or thirteen on some guys' lists and still stuck mm-hmm. around. You know, but that <laughs> feeling of you've just said so many amazing things. I'm going to unpack them a little bit here. First of all, I want to come back to this young girl who's the rebel of the family. And when you said anger was my best friend, I wanted to do a little dance, but my headphones probably would have flown out my ears. Anger was your best friend because she helped you keep your boundaries. And that is something 
that I talk about a lot in my coaching practice, that anger is our friend. When she comes, someone has trodden on our values or crossed our boundaries. And she's the, to me, she's the guard dog, right? She starts growling. She's like, (laughs) you know, and when we're kids, we naturally have that guard dog, right? We naturally get very angry if somebody doesn't, if somebody takes something that isn't ours or try cheating in a game with children and see what happens. They turn on you Mm. because you've gone against the rules you've lied you've cheated you're the worst (laughs) the anger is hot real you know absolutely yeah the fire we get trained out of that don't we we get told that's unacceptable we get told that ladylike oh god yeah all right that that hurt you got me right under the ribs it's not ladylike (laughs) (laughs) it's not ladylike so no wonder you find yourself in this love relationship with this very real fear of if I lose him there might not be anybody else coming down the line and you put it so beautifully again bypassing yourself I'm fascinated by this this mechanism that we have to bypass ourselves and you just gave such a massive clue there again for anyone listening it's the rationalization isn't it I'm feeling a kind of way. My long repressed anger is starting to growl. But instead of listening to her, because that's not ladylike, and I've been taught that that's wrong, I'm going to rationalize his behavior and stay. Yeah, you put it so beautifully, Wendy. I'm just repeating your words, Michelle. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yep. And I could hear my intuition, my my body telling me, this is not right. We have to get out of here. But I shut it off. Yeah. Well, to an extent, because I did try to shut it off until I couldn't anymore. It got really loud and really painful. And then I'm like, all right, time to listen. There's a choice, isn't there, that I think anyone who's been in a similar situation, not necessarily with a romantic situation, this can happen in career Mm -hmm. jobs as well. It can happen in a house that you're living in where Mm. you've fallen into a bad bargain. Yeah. He will stay if I repress myself and rationalize away his behavior. It's a bad bargain. And at some point, Mm. either we... Either we, the voice gets, the growl gets so loud that we're like, I can't handle this anymore. I need to change. Or the bypassing gets bigger and bigger, right? You know, I've certainly been in a relationship where I was bypassing myself and, you know, would just work all day as normal, then pick the kids up from school, um, his kids, not mine, and then come home at 4.30, get them set up with their homework and then drink four large glasses of gin, neat. (laughs) <laughs> mm. it was the yeah. only thing that would drown out the voice that was telling me this isn't your life mm. this isn't your life I was like no shut up I'm comfortable <laughs> I wasn't comfortable yeah. I was in pain but at least it's predictable I guess yeah yeah it's better the devil you know sometimes mm. but that's the lie we tell ourselves right yeah absolutely 
Oh, we've just reached that point, listeners, where two women are just looking into each other's eyes and nodding <laughs> and nodding, nodding and smiling. <laughs> We're just nodding and smiling at each other, which is terrible for a podcast, but beautiful for us. Sorry. Nod and smile, yeah. us, listeners, if you agree. If you've ever <laughs> heard that voice and stayed anyway. It's when you mm. set, get the honor, thank you, Michelle, to sit with somebody who understands that experience. Because I think in some ways we've all done that. In some degree, we've all done that. We've all ignored mm. ourselves. And that's why it's so hard to say the word martyr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even now, even having worked through all this, it still brings up something. Yeah. The fire, I think. The fire comes out. <laughs> no, none of that. What... <laughs> was your turning point Michelle was it like a drip feed of lots of little things or was there a moment Mm. where you just like no I've had enough it was just a drip feed like Mm. I said I stayed in that relationship for two years and then one day I just decided you know what I've had enough Mm. (laughs) it's time to make some changes and you mentioned earlier the heroine's journey this was the moment for me when I answered the call for adventure. The call for adventure. I love that. Mm. Is, that is that the beginning <laughs> of the heroine's journey? Because I know that's something that you teach now. Well, the beginning is usually that moment when that sparks the realization that I can't live like this anymore. There has to be more than this. Life could be better, surely. This is not it. And then that realization welcomes in the call and not a lot of not a lot of people answer the call the first time they hear it I certainly did it took me two years but if you are brave enough and really you're in struggling enough Mm -hmm. you'll get to a moment you'll get to a point where you will answer the call and yes the gates will open it's not always easy it's scary as hell because you're going into a realm that you've never been in before. It's all new. So you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're up against. But you do it anyway. Because the other way, the, your, your current path is more painful. There is a tipping point, isn't there, where mm. the path that you're on or the place that you're in is familiar. Therefore, it comes with some level of comfort because there's a comfort in knowing what's coming every day. But at some point, Mm. the pain of knowing what's coming every day tips, doesn't it? And that's when you get into Mm. that place of, I'm scared of what's out there. I don't know what's out there. And that in itself is really scary. I don't know what's beyond Mm. this relationship or this job or this town or this family but it's not this, it can't be this. And I think sometimes we wait in situations thinking that the answer will come to us, right? Like, I'll just stay here until I've somehow in my mind, which by the way, cannot see the future or around corners, somehow in my mind, I will figure out what's coming next. Or maybe someone will stop me in the street and hand me a life plan you know, two thousand dollars to start again. You know, yeah. like, that's right. Or maybe 
change. Or maybe things will change. Things will change. Yeah. If I just wait it out a bit longer, things will change. Because we think I can't take a step into the dark. Mm. And yet, when you're brave enough to take a step into the dark, the most magical thing happens, right? The floor gets lit under your feet. Mm. Right? Was that the way to it? Yeah, right? That yeah. Like, it's dark. It's dark. Yeah. If I take one step, I'm stepping into darkness. And yet you take a step and go, hang on a minute, it's not dark here. Mm. It's dark over there. Let me take one more step. It's not dark here. Because, of course, you're the light. So everywhere you go, the light goes, right? Mm. That's right. I'm sorry. I have a four-year-old daughter. And this she conversation keeps reminding, no, it keeps reminding me of, the song from Frozen, <laughs> Into the Unknown. Sing it for me. <laughs> ah, no, don't do that. The line, you are the one you've been waiting for all of your life. And it keeps coming back. Yeah. You are you're the absolutely you've been right. waiting for, right? I have a bit of a personal mantra now <laughs> of um, <laughs> no one's coming to rescue you, princess. Anytime I find myself yep. getting into that place, and it can be the tiniest little thing, right? It can be, oh, I said I would work out this week, but I haven't been to the gym. It can be something tiny and throw away like that. I literally say, no one's coming mm. to rescue you, princess. No one's coming to lift you off the sofa, take the chips out of your hand and put you on the cycle. That's not happening. So like, you know, mm, that's right. You need to take the step, you know. And at other times in my sometimes life, sometimes we need a little bit of tough loving, don't we? Right? Just a little bit of a come yeah. on. <laughs> you know? The one you're looking for Absolutely. is you. You be the knight. Mm. You provide the horse. You swing the sword. Yeah, and be the queen at the same time. Yeah. Gorgeous. We're doing it again. I, I, <laughs> I know. We, this is good. It's a lot of nodding and smiling. <laughs> it's at times like this, I'm um, grateful for Zoom as much as I bemoan it because I just thought everything's happening over Zoom. But then at times like this, you're like, oh, but I get to see your face. <laughs> you know, true. We wouldn't otherwise because we're so far away. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it's lovely to connect. Sorry, listener, we're just having a little lady love fest here. Let me carry on with some more questions from Michelle. So you reach this turning point where you're like, I don't know what it is, but it's not this. Mm. Tell us more about your heroine's journey. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely borrowing that that term, heroine's journey, from... Maureen Murdoch, who wrote a book about it. Mm. But for me, the heroine's journey, personally, and the way it translates into the work that I do, is a process I call sacred fearless rewilding. Sacred fearless rewilding. I mean, Mm. that just gets me excited in my lady parts, just hearing those words all sprung (laughs) together into one sentence. Tell us a bit Mm. more about what you mean. Secret fearless rewilding is, for me, a process that involves reconnecting with your inner wild, that fire that you had when you were a kid, and embracing the wholeness of you, 
not just the good bits, but like you said, the bits of you that are in the dark. Mm-hmm. Oh, you really are the hope, the fullness of you. I mean, it would mean dropping programming that are outdated, that are dragging me down because we hold on to these programmings because we somehow get some benefit from them. But at some point, you'll realize that some of them are no, no longer working for you. Mm-hmm. So brave, bravely dropping them off when you're ready because we can't really, we don't want to overwhelm ourselves either. The process also, it also invited to go back in and we integrate those parts of you that you've denied or repressed or even forgotten in, in an effort to stay safe, really. Yeah. And also, it also invites you to remember the creative force in you because you are, after all, part of nature, and that creative force is alive in you. Which we somehow have forgotten as we become adults. Mm-hmm. And it also means stepping into a level of maturity in your in, in your thinking, your in your emotions, in the way you show up in the world. And it allows you to live in Live your life with awareness and humility and gratitude. There is an end game here, though, for me in this process that I'm laying out for you. I, my end game for my clients mm-hmm. is to find that work that they came here to do. Their real soul purpose, because that for me is the, the, the path to real fulfillment and self-actualization. Mm-hmm. A lot of what Michelle and I are talking about takes time and commitment. You can't really go on this heroine's journey and answer the call and do something other than what you're doing right now, stuck in a comfort zone, if that's where you're at, unless you learn how to create more time and more space for yourself in that life. And the easiest way to do that is simply to have better boundaries, which is why... I have a free guide for you, how to build boundaries that get back time for you. If you don't have your copy yet, I don't even know what to do with you, listener. It's waiting for you over at wendywindle.com. That's just me, wendywindle.com. And you'll find your free training there and also a way to sign up and get weekly love notes from me. It's wonderful hearing you talk through those steps, especially when you start talking about integration. You know, because I think there's a, and and the wildness that you're talking about in your program, I've certainly been through a process of being (laughs) tamed, you know, as a woman being tamed, you know, learning what it was like to like, you know, you can't be angry and you can't say that and you can't use those words and you can't sit like that, can't use your Mm -hmm. body the way it was designed, forbid, (laughs) and then as an adult then realize, well, there's actually now a lot of myself that feels like it's outside of myself, that feels like it's not allowed because it's been tamed and it's been left out Mm -hmm. of me. Or there's parts of myself that feel too ugly to be allowed in, too much, too intense, too passionate. They too must stay out of myself or even Mm -hmm. too negative. You know, I was chatting to 
a wonderful mentor a couple of years ago. And we really got into it about the shadow because he very much comes from an old school male patriarchy way. And he was trying to convince me that I needed to recognize these parts of myself that were outside and for good reason. And should make sure mm. that they stayed outside. And if they came up and they came into my psyche, you know, the parts of myself that I consider too much, too loud, too negative, too angry, too in the way, you'd be like, no, you've got to tame those parts of yourself, you know, that lazy part of you. Tame it, grab it, fight with it. Every oh. day I was like, this sounds like a lot of hard work, friend. This <laughs> <It> sounds exhausting. <laughs> I don't have time or energy for this. whereas instead I feel like the feminine way of doing shadow work is that integration right it's that sitting down and saying there is a part of me (laughs) that really is annoyed at the world what does she need why is she always kicking off why is she always trying to spoil the party for me and everybody else why is she always sabotaging the good work that I do in the world what's up It's not like, in a oh my God, what's wrong with her? Like in a really true, like, what is wrong with you? When were you hurt? How did that happen? How can I help? Which I know if you haven't done it, it sounds really weird. Like how many personalities do you have in there? Well, first of all, frankly, many, many. (laughs) To sit with those aspects of yourself. Because in my experience, they always have such wisdom, right? Yeah. They're the parts of yourself that say, you know what? You're always letting people walk over your boundaries and I'm pissed off because of that, right? Mm. Yeah. What's the integration work been like for you? Mm. I've been on a spiritual journey for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. I remember... I moved out of the house when I was 16 because I just couldn't handle it anymore. Mm. I had to be my own person. And I was living in the college dorm. And I remember spending a whole weekend going through all of my memories that I could remember from the youngest, from the earliest memory to the present moment Mm -hmm. and reliving them and seeing them from my own lens, seeing them for what they really were, not what I was told. And then from there, seeing these aspects of me that are not pretty or are loud, or like you said, are too much. Mm. And really spending time with them, getting to know them, and then accepting them as as me, not parts of me that I could just compartmentalize when it's convenient. And that, that process really helped me drop the masks that I was wearing when I'm out in the world. I'm like, you know what? Why do I even hide the real me? It's like, I'm, this is amazing. If, if this is too much for them, well, maybe, sorry, let me re- repeat that. Mm-hmm. If, if I could set an example to people that you could be whoever you want to be and it's okay. Maybe that would inspire them to do the same. You know, yeah. When you bring all of you to the party, right. And yeah. thank yeah. you for saying like, not a part of you that's been put in a different compartment. Like, well, as you said that I got a picture of, 
Do you ever play Trivial Pursuit? You know, when you get that look, it's like a little circle and there's the piece, there's about mm. six pieces of pie and you have to fill in the pieces of pie. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what we're like. You know, it's the, you do have to no, gather we... up all of the pieces of pie, but then it becomes one homogenous pie. <laughs> it's not like my this part, my that part, my other part. It's like, no, just me, just me. Yeah. Many just facets, me. but all me. And that to me is the core of self-love right there what you're talking about mm. is bringing yourself unapologetically to the party allowing yeah. whatever aspect of you whatever you want to say however you need to respond in the moment whatever you-ness is just naturally mm. there in the moment to shine forth that's self-love mm. right that is self-love yeah absolutely because I can tell from your smile that you've had this experience too, that if people mm -hmm. then reflect back to you that they don't like it, we don't like how you're being, there's actually no shame in it, right? So mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm not your favorite flavor. Okay. No biggie. Not everyone. And I actually like it when, when people react that way. Just my curiosity gets picked because I'm like, oh, so this part of me, is bringing up something new. Maybe that's something I don't. I wouldn't necessarily tell them, but it's like there is something new that you're seeing in me that you you yourself are rejecting. Mm. That's how I see it. I had a big experience of this, Michelle. Years ago, I went to basically it was monk training camp. I spent six months of my mm. life sitting on the side of a mountain meditating, and one of my first roommates Beautiful. there. It was a great experience to give myself. One of my first roommates there came to me after about a week and she was, um, it was, it was her second time there. So she was quite advanced and she came to me and she could see something that I couldn't see yet. And she said, um, we've got a problem. I was like, no, we don't. Like what's wrong with you? Fast forward one more week and I actually caught up with reality and went, yeah, we've got a problem. Let's go for a walk and hash this out. Because basically any time I was in the room with her, both of our hackles went up. We just annoyed each other. Like, no, and she wasn't a particularly annoying person. She, you know, she was a very polite, lovely human being. So am I. <laughs> but, you know, and yet anytime we were in the same room, our hackles went up. So we went for this walk and she just said, okay, why don't you go first? And you just tell me what you've noticed in the last week. Why are you triggered by me? And I said to her, you're just everything I've been afraid of being my whole life. You're so quiet and meek. And, you know, we would have these share meetings where we would all just be like, can you speak up? Because she was so quiet, so ladylike, so genteel, so tiny, so didn't take up any space on the planet. I was like, I am terrified of being you. I've spent my whole life deliberately not being you, you know? And I was like, oh, wow, that felt amazing to get off my chest. You know, what is it for you? Like, what, what do I trigger in you? And this tiny, gentle, beautiful, soft-spoken woman just turned and looked me dead in the eye and she said, I don't know who the fuck you think you are. It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> she said, you're loud, you're arrogant, you take up so much air in the room, you take up so much space, everybody knows you're here all the time, like, why can't you just be quieter? 
And my, of course, my response was, why can't you just take up space and be louder? And it was, we were blown away, Michelle. We were like, wow, <laughs> the universe has made us roommates for the next six months to learn how yeah. to love this aspect of ourselves that we thought we couldn't love. You know? Absolutely. You each have the medicine that the other needs. Oh my God, we were perfect yin-yangs for each other. It was beautiful, <laughs> painful at times, but beautiful. <laughs> How lucky are you to have a friend like that, that you could just, you know, find soften and hold space for you at the same time, because that's rare. But you know, it came from what, exactly what you said, that mindset of cultivating curiosity of when you know but she came to me and she said we have a problem <laughs> and it took me a week to catch up with her but then I was curious enough to to lean in and say like hang on we do have a problem let's talk about it let's figure out what it is as opposed to me staying in my story of oh my goodness this woman needs to get some balls you know <laughs> and her staying in her story of she's an arrogant bitch you know it was so <laughs> beautiful for us to have that curiosity I love that word mm -hmm that mindset yeah. of curiosity to be like, wait, what's what's really here, you know? Yeah. The beginner's mind, yeah. Mm. Mm. Tell me more. I want to hear more about your heroine's journey. Like, were there any particular points along your own journey? And how did you form that into a journey to share with other people? Sorry, sorry. Wendy, say the question again. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a weird question. <laughs> First of all, were there any significant points on your own journey where you realized mm. that you were on a heroine's journey? And then how did you turn that into something that you could share with other women and, and encourage them on their own journey? Oh, thank you for that. I didn't actually realize that I was going through a heroine's journey. I know I was going to a spiritual journey. They know it was a heroine's journey. I realized it when, so I'm married now and we have a daughter. Mm. And I realized it when I gave birth to my daughter and I have this huge urge, this call to serve, no longer to seek, but to serve. Mm. And then I'm like, what do I have to share? And then I looked back at my entire journey up to that point, and I realized, well, I got out of that relationship. I started seeking for the answers that I needed. I sought out guys and teachers. I went to courses and workshops. And that only led me back inwards to know that everything I actually need is in me. And then I just have to learn to tap into that, that knowledge mm -hmm. and trust it because I know it's there, but sometimes I don't trust it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and from there, I started walking my path, like finding my own unique path. I stumble. It's not easy, but somehow I find a way that works for me and feels right for me. And here I am, happily married with my newborn child and wanting to share this to serve people so they could go through this journey as well. This journey, journey of healing, transformation, of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. and, and then as I was doing this, I found coaching. And then when I finished my coaching course, I realized I, the reason I want to do, help people is I want them to find, as I said before, their purpose. Because 
life is not just surface level. There's more to to life than coding transformers meet the eye. <laughs> And that's why I realized, well, I'm actually, I'm in the middle of my, my hearing's journey. And what's to come, I don't know yet, but I'm at this point where I am ready to serve. And well, I'm at this point in the present that I am now serving through coaching and through holding sacred circles to help people go through all these the things that they, you know, the programming that they need to drop off and finding their own path that works for them and feels good for them, all these things. It's so beautiful and mind-boggling, isn't it, when you get to a point where you realize, hang on a minute, I don't need another course. I don't, need, <laughs> you know, not, look, courses are amazing, you know, self-help books mm. i'm a junkie love them all read them all <laughs> you know? I'm the same. you do really <laughs> actually everything is pointing inwards and all of these things are only helpful in so much as they help me trust myself and go inward and rely on my own in i mean first of all reconnect with my own intuition right reconnect mm. with my own passion even my anger and everything that i thought was too much or not allowed reconnect with it and bring it back in because then you're dealing with the entirety of you and the entirety of you you don't need anything else and it's radical to think and know that, isn't it? In a world where we're constantly being told you're not done yet by something else, look a different way, mm. you've done enough, you've got to do more. Martyr yourself. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I love that that's the core of your messaging as well, is sovereignty, is you have everything. You've maybe lost the ability to access it all, so let's go through the process where you get to rediscover yourself. Mm. And thanks for saying that, because that is the path that I lead my clients to, self-sovereignty, authenticity. But also, I also remind them that they, they have boundaries, but they actually don't have edges. Because in the work that I do, I remind them that we're still connected to everything. Yeah. What is that like for you, living a life where you have boundaries but no edges? If someone's, I imagine, like, just imagine listeners' ears pricking up, like, wait, what? That sounds so beautiful, Michelle, <laughs> but what does it mean? What does it mean to be connected? When I say these things, I, I see a cell in my mind. Like, I'm very visual. Mm -hmm. I see this cell in my mind that has all the parts, the mitochondria, blah, 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 and it's got this little boundary around it. But at the same time, oh, and, and it has its own function. Mm -hmm. But if you zoom out, you, you see that this tiny little cell is a part of a bigger body. And it functions specifically to support this bigger body. So yes, the cell needs to maintain its boundaries to survive and to thrive. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, function in coherence with the rest of the body to keep, to keep it alive keep it healthy, mm -hmm. keep it thriving. 
that's how I would explain it. <laughs> and that's brilliant. I love that. Every cell has its own little membrane. It's got its little boundaries. And it's and yeah, and it's got its divine purpose that it's here to carry out. And it needs to do that. But it also cannot be disconnected from the body as a whole. In fact, it works in harmony and unison with the body as a whole. That's the word I was searching for. Yes. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that. Mm. Michelle, you. any if someone's listening to this and she feels like she's at the beginning of her journey, how would you recommend someone start to move forward on their heroine's journey or just take that step into the dark? Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you for having that awareness of wanting to change something or everything in your life because that's not easy to accept and to answer. I have I made a list, Wendy. <laughs> I have five things. I love a list. Please wanna, share. Yes, I have five things that I would really want to, if I was just starting my journey, I wish someone would have told me this. Mm-hmm. The first one is honor your seeking. Because what often happens when you start a journey, you're going into the unknown and you begin seeking for answers for things that you don't know because you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you go through courses, workshops, events, you read books or anything, anything that would give you the information that you need so you'd feel secure and safe and ready. And that's normal and that's okay. Honor that. Educate yourself as much as you want. Follow the trail of your curiosity and your spark, whatever sparks your heart. But the thing with seeking is sometimes we can get lost in it. Like you said, oh, I became a course junkie. I was like signing up for courses after courses after courses, and I forgot what I was doing it for. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, I, I think I need this. I think I need this. So you just remain in your sovereignty and remember what you're doing it for. And in, in any seeking that you do, take what you need and leave what you don't. Because the teacher will always appear when the student is ready. Who would have said that? (laughs) (laughs) And if I have an extra tip for that uh, advice, is that to start learning meditation. Because it really does help in so many different levels. And meditation for me is just having mindful awareness of the present moment. So you, you don't have to be sitting on a mat all the time. You could be walking in nature, washing the dishes. I don't know if Anything really, as long as you have that mindful awareness and a clear intention of what you're focusing on and what what you're trying to achieve, but not being attached to the outcome. I know it's a tricky bit, but that is the really tricky bit of help. meditation. But it it comes with practice. Mm. It comes with practice, yeah. and I love that we have the same idea about meditation. It's just simply resting in the present moment, right? No matter what you're mm. doing, you know, making peanut butter toast, it doesn't matter but you're mm. present with it. And the weird thing is, and studies have shown this numerous times to back this up, there's nothing more healing or restful than just being present. So if you've been mm. traumatized or you've got limiting beliefs you need to let go of, or you've come out of a relationship and you're a bit fried, you know, this is when I discovered meditation, simply being present 
even with the most mundane parts of your life, like a grocery shopping or whatever, is very healing on a cellular level. Mm. And a that reminds me of a conversation I had with one of my clients. And she said, she realized that whenever something comes up for her, she straight away jumps into troubleshooting mode or mm. suppressing mode or releasing mode even. Mm-hmm. And she never really gives her time, her, herself time to sit with that emotion and process it. And like I said, she, she listen to what it needs. Mm. And mindfulness and meditation really helps with that, gives you that skill to, and also the courage to sit with the pain without trying to fix it or change it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. The second tip I would give anyone who's just starting their journey is apply what you're learning. Because it's one thing in collecting the knowledge, but if you don't really apply, you don't really integrate it. And once you apply it in your life, you become more clear on what really works for you, what really feels good, and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And from that, you gain the wisdom the wisdom that you need to move forward, the, the wisdom that will sustain you throughout your journey. The third one, and this one's a bit challenging at times, is to find support. Because not everyone in your life will understand what you're doing. <laughs> like, why are you changing all of a sudden? Yeah. This is the point where most of most people lose friends sometimes. Because you're changing and things don't align anymore. And yeah, so if you can find like like the friendship you had with your friend in the monk training, if you can find one friend or a community that could support you, like could bounce off ideas with and hold you without the drama almost, yeah. hold on to them because you will be invited to go outside your comfort zone and you'll need all the help you can get. Mm-hmm. Another great thing to do is to find a mentor. So when you're starting out, like I said, you don't know what you don't know. You just have this sense that you need to go somewhere, but you don't know where it is and how to get there. Mm-hmm. A mentor is a, someone who is an expert in a certain field or area, and they can be very helpful when you're trying to master or develop, even just develop a skill or, or knowledge very specific. Mm-hmm. The last one, which kind of feels like a shameless self-promotion, but it's true, is to hire a coach. <laughs> well, of course I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's somewhat different to having a mentor because with a coach, you have someone who holds your hands as you explore this new adventure that you just said yes to. But, Oh, you're still in the driver's seat, if that makes sense. Because so, the coach believes that you you have everything you need. Mm. You are a sovereign being, you're the master of your life, and you are capable of making the best choices for yourself. But you just need someone to remind you that. Mm. I, I, I love how you've put this distinction as well between a mentor and a coach. Mm. I find, for example, if we, if we bring this into, say, um, the world of business, 
if you're setting up, mm. let's say an online business, for goodness sake, go find an online business mentor. That's somebody who is agree. Right? Someone who's really <laughs> experienced in that has got lots of different business models for you to pick and choose from, years of experience doing it. Somebody who didn't make their money online by teaching people how to make money online because that's snake oil and a trap. <laughs> you know, someone who's actually <laughs> really good at business and marketing and can mentor you the step-by-step process of like, look, week one, you want to do this. Week two, you're going to need to do this. Week three. So they tell you what to do because they're mentoring mm. you. They're lending you their mind, right? As mm. opposed to a coach, our job is to, well, for a start, I haven't ever sat in front of a client and not seen them way beyond how they see themselves. And for me, mm. that's our job, isn't it? Of coaches is, we're going to spend a certain amount of time with somebody just to get that person to see themselves how we see them. Right? Yeah. Not mold them, Our not shape is- them. Rather, yeah. open their eyes to who they already are. Yeah. And empower them to make their own choices and that they can actually walk this path that they've chosen and all they need is themselves, really. Yeah. Like you said, really, really said before. And if I may, I have one bonus tip. Please. Is just trust your process. Trust your process. There's no one size fit all way of doing this, of going through your, your, your hair's journey. It is as unique as you are. So don't compare yourself to others. Because <laughs> I've done that and it doesn't really help. If anything, it stops me from moving forward. So just be kind to yourself and trust your process. Mm. Mm. Oh, we're doing it again, loves. We're we're smiling at yeah. each other. <laughs> Such a beautiful moment though. <laughs> I want to tell you, Michelle's energy is so trippy. I, I feel like I just had <laughs> A hot chocolate with five massive marshmallows in it. I'm like, I'm on a love cloud right now. <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> I can imagine you. your clients must just melt into themselves getting to work on you. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the shit we do for love podcast. So I have one final question for you. Could you share with us some shit you do for love that you're going to quit or maybe some shit you do for love that you did for love? And you're not going to do anymore. Well, I've just committed to be mindful of my self-sabotaging patterns. Even in my business, in my relationships. Because even if I've been doing it for a long time, it's still there, right? It's it's a spiral, not a circle. Mm. So be mindful of them and task myself when I'm doing them and break the pattern. That's Mm. the shit for love that I'm... The shit I do for love that I'm letting go of Self this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yes. So and I love how you lightly you're holding that too. I think because sometimes when we decide to break a pattern, it can be really heavy. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna attack this. I'm gonna go head on. And yet when you're talking about <laughs> it, is there such joy and lightness of like, oh, I do this really silly shit for love, and I'm just gonna stop it. You know, it's gonna be mindful. <laughs> notice when I do it, and just push myself in a different direction you know and I think that I know you're guaranteed for success because with that 
mindset of gentleness and humor. That's a huge key to this whole process, isn't it? Of just encourage yourself, notice stuff. It's okay to want to change. But the energy of being mean to ourselves, you know, as a dear uncle of mine always says, get off the cross, Mary. We need the wood. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and just have the mindset of seeing your life as an adventure. Yeah. It's an adventure. It's not always easy, but it can also be easy and fun. Oh, well, I encourage everyone listening to go find Michelle and join her heroine's journey because you are promised an adventure of a lifetime. This has been a beautiful adventure of hearts sitting, smiling and nodding at you as we try <laughs> and record a podcast. <laughs> and you, Wendy. Thank you for your time. You've been so generous, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Did you completely fall in love with Michelle too? How many times did you just stop and nod and smile at her during this pod. I hope so many. If you would like to go and connect with Michelle, you can find her at michelleharpass.com. michelleharpass.com. As usual, I will put a link to that in the show notes. You can find it easily. Thank you so much for listening. I bloody love you and Michelle. But you too. <laughs>